Albert Einstein, Richard Branson, Bill Gates, John F. Kennedy, Tony Robbins, Michael Phelps, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of industries. What else do they have in common? Well, they all have ADHD, but you don't hear much about that, do you? You know what you hear even less about? The successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Otsuka. I'm an attorney, not a doctor, a lifelong student, not a coach. I'm also the creator of Cortography, a patent-pending system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your superpowers, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest superpowers. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you, too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am Tracy Otsuka, and I wanted to welcome you to episode 39 of ADHD for Smartass Women. I wanted to bring on a real live member of our ADHD for Smartass Women Facebook group. Does that sound right? I wanted to bring on a real member. Yeah, I think it does. Anyway, so I put out the word and a lot of our members responded, but I decided that I wanted to start with Josie Bauman. Josie, did I pronounce your name right? It's Bowman. Okay, (laughs) Josie Bowman. So Josie is 24 and was diagnosed with ADHD this past May. Prior to her diagnosis, she was really struggling, but she didn't even understand how much she was struggling and how difficult everyday life was for her. She thought everyone struggled like she did. If anything, she thought her struggles were all because of her character flaws. It was all her fault. But then her boyfriend came into the picture and he told her what he was seeing and suddenly her life changed. So I wanted to welcome Josie. I am so very happy to have you here because I know that your story is going to inspire a lot of women, but especially young women. So how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. You sound so calm and serene, (laughs) (laughs) which I think you're going to tell me that your childhood was a bit different, huh? Absolutely. So can you tell us some stories of, of your childhood? Like, what was it like? It was wild, really. I was wild. And do you have siblings or is it just you? I do. I have an older brother. They actually, my parents actually thought that he had ADHD, but it turned out that it was me. (laughs) And so why, like, are there symptoms that you, that you look back on today And you realize, you know, at the time that you were a kid, you were like, why am I like that? But you look back on them today and you're like, oh, that's ADHD and that's ADHD. As a child, the number one thing for me was definitely my hyperactivity. I definitely was crazy wild. I had this little popper toy And my mom actually hid it from me in the top of the closet because I would get that little popper and I would run across the living room and the kitchen and everything and drive everybody crazy. And I would not stop. And I loved it. But other than that, I was just like really 
hyper and like level 100 all of the time. Were you super chatty too? Not necessarily like my adulthood. My hyperactivity as a child kind of faded out. And then in my adulthood, it's been hyper talkative. So I'm definitely hyper talkative. Okay. So your hyperactivity was the stereotypical like seven-year-old boy climbing up the walls, constantly getting into trouble, just moving all the time. Definitely. It definitely was. And I knew I was hyper, but I just, I couldn't help it. And I didn't know why, but I just, I just knew that I was, I kind of thought of myself as like a little energizer bunny. And so did everyone else. (laughs) Did you do a lot of activities? Like, did your mom put you in sports and dance and, you know, things that you could get some of that energy out? Well, I was very picky. She tried to put me in Girl Scouts, which is more social, but I didn't like that. And then she tried to put me in soccer and I could not stand that. I was like, oh, mom, take me home. But one day she put me in competitive cheerleading and I cried to her and I was like, mommy, I can't do this. I can't do this. And she wiped away my tears and uh, walked back in there. And I was a competitive cheerleader from second grade to 10th grade for eight years. Okay. So that competitive cheerleading, I mean, that's like um, gymnastics, right? There is a lot of activity and jumping and moving and. Oh yeah. It was the best outlet for me. Honestly, I was a flyer and I tumbled a lot. I was really, really strong. My legs were incredibly strong. I I loved the tumbling aspect. I didn't necessarily like the dancing and the cheers and stuff. I just like the tumbling and the stunts. Wow. And a flyer is the one that gets thrown, right? Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> they're dropped. the ones that get all the, the brain injuries, right? <laughs> yes. I I think I heard somewhere that <laughs> it's more dangerous to be a cheerleader, those kind of cheerleaders, right? Yes. Than a was. football player. <laughs> yes, definitely. So, so tell me about school. Did you have symptoms of your ADHD in school or was school pretty easy for you? School was pretty easy for me until I got to high school. Then I just kind of started not wanting to go. And I was just uninterested, honestly, at the time. And so for school, it was just like high school for me was difficult. And looking back on it now, because I'm just sort of, you know, thinking while you're talking here, um, could it have been that you have all these different periods, you have to move around, there's less structure in terms of, you know, having one teacher that's watching out for you, that you know when things are due? Was it just that there are too many balls up in the air? Or what do you think it was? I think partly because I was very partial to certain instructors. And, um, you know, there were some that were like, I know you're smart. You can do this. Like, just Mm -hmm. pay attention to me. And like, that's just kind of how it went for me with those type of teachers. But then there were other teachers that just didn't really understand. And they kind of doubted me and I could feel that and it I didn't like it. So I just, uh, those classes were harder for me. That is... (sighs) 
you know, I have a 17-year-old son and I, I call him the barometer for good teaching. So if mm-hmm. he comes home from school and says, oh my gosh, I love this teacher. They're so engaging. They're so passionate. You, you know, I can't help but paying atten- pay attention to what they're talking about. That teacher will end up to be fantastic. If he comes home the first day of school and says, oh my God, this teacher, blah, 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 is so boring. I know he will not do well in it and the teacher isn't a good teacher. So I, it just, oh, it hurts my heart when I hear people speak and I, when we know we're talking about smart kids, but the teachers don't get ADHD, they don't understand it, they don't care how much that affects their ability to learn. It's all, it starts with a fantastic teacher. It really does. It does. It definitely does. Okay. So you kind of lost, lost interest in school in high school. And so then tell me what you decided to do. I think you, you tried out college, right? I did. And what happened there? I tried out college multiple times. I was going <laughs> to do... <laughs> I was going to do dental hygiene, and then I was going to do engineering. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And then I was going to do dental hygiene again, and it was just back and forth and back and forth, and I just couldn't make up my mind because nothing really stuck for Mm -hmm. me. So when you say nothing really stuck, like what were your symptoms? And let me give you some, and then you can tell me, because it's always, for me, it's always easier when someone asks me a direct question. Versus I have to pull from a bag of whatever up in my brain, and I'm never sure if it's going to cooperate. So, I mean, were you forgetful? Um, Were you, you know, did you lose your homework? Did you misplace things? Did you, or were you just so frustrated because you kind of, you're in class and you're overwhelmed and you start zoning out. And so you, you know, what I always say is that we are, what am I trying to say? We're more about the connections you know, with people and relationships and what's going on than we are about the, you know, individual details. And so I think what happens a lot in school is if we don't know the framework, why we're studying what we're studying, it's really hard to be focused on the individual pieces of what it is that we're studying because we don't know how it fits together. Right. I was, I tried online schooling. Most of my schooling was online. Mm -hmm. And then I did dabble a little bit in in school, like on campus. And I didn't like either. Neither of them were engaging for me. I didn't really feel as if I was a valued student. And I'm not sure. I went to different community colleges, but I'm honestly surprised that none of my teachers caught on to, hey, maybe this girl's ADHD. Maybe that's why she's struggling so bad. But procrastination on assignments was a biggie for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you remember like that you would wonder about things you did or things that happened or you looked at like your classmates and it's like, well, why can he do that? Or why can she do that? Like you, did you have the sense that, you know what, damn it, I am smart, but I just can't seem to show I'm smart when it comes to school. Yes. And it was like, I could see all the other students and it was so easy for them. And I'm like, how are these people doing this? Like, I don't even know. And it just seemed like they were, it, it made me feel really small because I couldn't really, I didn't know 
necessarily that I had ADHD because for some reason I knew I had it when I was younger. Were you diagnosed when you were younger? I was not, but I just knew my mother and I, we both knew. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I thought that it just went away. I don't know where in my life that I've heard that, but I kind of just pushed it to the back of my head. And I'm just like, okay, I'm an adult now. I have to start acting like it, but what is wrong with me? And why can I not function, you know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. everyone else? Well, and I think that is a very common belief that ADHD is a condition of childhood. And when you grow up, it goes away. And I think what happens for a lot of us is the overt hyperactivity of the body, it ends up coming up to the mind. And so our brains are constantly moving and constantly thinking and constantly, you know, chastising us or, or whatever. And I'm wondering, was that your experience that there was a lot of stuff going on in your mind? Yes, there was a lot of stuff going on in my mind. Like, it was racing thoughts after racing thoughts. And I'm like, I didn't know, like I, I did not put two and two together at the time. So I'm like, seriously, what's wrong with me? I know that my brain just keeps going and going and going and going and going and it never stopped. And I didn't really, until I was medicated, I never felt relief from that. So when I actually became medicated, I was like, whoa, this is supposed to be normal? Like it was just a big (laughs) aha moment, Mm -hmm. I guess. But also forgetting things at the house. One day uh, we discussed this, I'm a security guard. So I have to wear these little tactical boots, right? And Sometimes I would And wear... I should mention you are an armed security guard, oh, which yes. I laughed when Josie told me that <laughs> because I was like, that is so, that's such an ADHD profession. But you said it was boring. It is. <laughs> it except really for when is. it's not, right? <laughs> yeah, except for when it's not. But most of the time, literally, like, I'd say 85% of the time, I'm coloring or reading a book. <laughs> Okay. So it gives you an opportunity to do the things that you really want to do. Yes. And it's, it's pretty cool. I can't really complain, but it's kind of hard to keep yourself occupied for that long. Like Uh my day consists of sitting there (laughs) as long as nothing's going on. So after a while, it's just like, ugh. especially what you said though is, or what you told me is when something is going on though, and everybody else is freaking out, you are as calm as a cucumber, right? Yes. When every when chaos breaks loose, everybody's like running around like chickens. And I'm like, uh, you know, here, let's, you know, fix this real quick. And they, it's just, I can execute really quickly. Like if something needs to be done, mm-hmm. I can do it. And then people just kind of look at me like, what you were just sitting there reading a book. What are you, you know, they just, yeah. they just kind of take it by surprise. So, okay. So going back to, you know, college and, you know, those years and maybe even high school and, you know, further back, did you struggle with the social issues that some people with ADHD struggle with? Or is that frankly, one of your strengths? I, honestly, I, 
still struggle with social issues. Uh, It's like definitely not my strong point at all. I'm very bubbly and very social, but at the same token, I'm not. (laughs) It's kind of hard to explain, but I I just pick up on people's energy. And if Mm -hmm. I don't like that energy, I feel like people... I don't know. I just feel like. So let me ask you, let me ask you this. So do you think, I don't know, have you heard of the term interpersonal intuition? I think that you may have mentioned it on your previous podcast. I did a whole podcast on it because it was, there were two issues that I was like, oh my God, that's ADHD. Okay. I have it. And that was one of them was interpersonal intuition. And it's exactly what you just said. It's the sense that you can walk into a room and you can feel the energy. You can know nothing about the people, but you know what's going on. Like you just, you read that. And I, and I do think that that does affect social relationships because if you can feel negative energy and sometimes, you know, you misinterpret it, but a lot of times I don't. And so I will then, I'll question And a lot of times people either don't want to admit to it or they don't even know it themselves, you know, what they're really thinking or what they're really feeling. And so I do believe that that can, it can be your biggest strength, but it can also cause some problems. And it sounds like that might be what was going on with you. Yes. It actually just happened this past weekend because it was my friend's birthday and She wanted me to go out with her and I'm like, I don't like to go out, but since it's your birthday and you called it dinner, (laughs) I will go, but who all's going? And she said a bunch of names I didn't even know. And the entire time I was just like, uh, I want to go home. Like I just did not have fun because I could just pick up on everybody there. There was like seven people there. And I could just feel, I just felt like they didn't like me. And I, I knew they didn't, but they didn't act say like that, it. right? I, no, they didn't say that. They didn't act like that, but I could just tell. I knew. And so was it in a setting like a bar type setting with lots of people around? Unfortunately, and it was really loud in there. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't like this. I was just very uncomfortable. And I decided that I'm not ever going to do that again. (laughs) Good for you. Yeah. And And I really think what it is, is it's an energy thing. I am exactly like you. I hate to be, I'm, first of all, I am not tall. So I hate to be in bars because I'm a little bit claustrophobic on top of that. And I just, you cannot have a real conversation. You cannot really connect with someone. It's so loud. People are drunk. I just hate that environment. It's it's so disingenuous to me. It's not like it's not real, you know? Yeah, like we were sitting by the window and like out of everybody's way, but it was so loud in there. I had to yell across the table to talk to my friend whose birthday it was. And I just I just didn't like it. It was it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, no. I I say good for you. I mean, if you are going to these kinds of events and you walk away feeling negative emotion, not positive emotion, you know, it means that it's doing, I mean, granted, it's your friend and you want to support her, but I think there's, there are different ways to do it that you can feel good about it as well. Right. If if I'm with my boyfriend though, like I feel comfortable and mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about other people necessarily because 
I know he likes me. <laughs> and the focus, <laughs> yeah, the focus isn't anybody else. And he, he kind of, he protects me. So I don't have to worry about anything else like that either. So it's, it's different and it depends, but definitely won't be going by myself ever again. <laughs> Good for you. So one of the things that you mentioned to me was that um, you, you were going through life. You were really struggling. You didn't know why you were struggling. You thought it was, again, a character flaw and that all of this stuff was your fault. And then you had a conversation with your boyfriend. Can you tell me about that or tell us about that? Um. Yeah, well, my boyfriend is really honest and open with me as I am with him. And it struck me the wrong way initially because I was well, like what you have to you have to tell us though about the conversation because okay. I didn't. So people know. <laughs> okay. Uh well, he actually mentioned it to me that I'm always forgetting things and I'm everywhere all the time and uh, you know, I can't even have a conversation. He actually sat there one day and counted how many times I fidgeted in like 15 minutes. And it was like 15 times. So he was paying attention to me. And mm -hmm. he didn't mention that it was ADHD. But did he know? He, did no. he know that it was probably ADHD and just didn't mention it? Not that I know of. I don't think so. He would have he would have told me, but mm -hmm. I looked deeper into it and I'm like, wait a minute. I was like so hyper as a kid and I'm pretty sure I had ADHD. And then once I started looking into it, I was like, babe, I'm ADHD. So it was just kind of like that moment. And he was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. And then finally, when I got medicated, he, it really clicked with him. He was like, what? You're sitting on the couch and not doing anything, not running around crazy? And it, was, it really resonated with him at that point that that's what I struggle with. But he, he was definitely my guiding light for that. I mean, I, I've got to thank him for it because I, I felt much more... I mean, if I'm sitting here thinking, okay, there's something wrong, I'd be, less, <laughs> I'd be like, okay, let me just deal with this on my own. But when he mentioned it, I was like, oh, okay, so I'm not the only one here. Maybe I need to look into this. So how did he say it, though, that you didn't get upset and you were able to really listen to what he was saying and take, take the information in, like take it seriously? Because I would expect that for a lot of people, if their boyfriend or spouse made those comments, they'd be like, whatever, you know, they'd be irritated. Well, initially I was pretty aggravated, but it was because he had mentioned that I aggravate him sometimes. And then I was like, <laughs> well, I aggravate myself too, you know? And then, <laughs> yeah. So like, I was just like really aggravated with myself and that got to the extent after he would, I saw that he was aggravated. I was like, whoa, okay, we're both aggravated. It's me. It's got to be me. And what's the deal here? So once I looked into it and everything, but he wasn't mean about it or anything. He just mentioned it to me that I was like different. <laughs> and I think part of it might, might also be that 
you know he really loves you and you really trust him and he you trust that he wants the best for you and your relationship. Absolutely. Uh, I can just tell like just how we have that interpersonal intuition. Like I can just tell that he's a genuine person and really, really cares for me. So when he speaks up and voices his opinion, I'm going to value that opinion because I just, I feel that solidity there, you know. It's interesting. Um, Edward Hallowell, who wrote Driven to Distraction, I've heard several people say this, and honestly, I've said this since I was married, that the two most important things, especially when, well, for everybody, but especially when you have ADHD that you can have in your life is the most important things are who you marry, so your relationship, and what kind of work you do. And if you're in the right environment, meaning you're around the right people for both of those things, that's how we're, you know, we become successful with, despite ADHD or, I don't know, despite because of ADHD, maybe, you know? I mean, I frankly believe that it can be an incredible strength if we just figure out how our ADHD works, you know, our particular brand of ADHD, and we're in the right environment. So that makes perfect sense to me. So your boyfriend said, said these things to you. I would look into this. You're fidgeting all the time. You can't sit still. You then went out and did some research. And then how long did it take you to say, you know what, I'm going to go see a doctor? Well, it was pretty immediate because Mm -hmm. I was like, really wanting to get some type of relief. And actually, you know, it took me a couple of weeks, but once it clicked in my mind, this is what this is, I just knew. So I did a little further research afterwards, probably for about two weeks, but it it immediately clicked. And I was like, I know this is my issue, but it, it just, I needed to do my research before I went to see a doctor. And, and that is so smart. I'm actually working on a podcast on how to prepare ahead before you go into, you know, get diagnosed for ADHD. Because I do really believe, number one, you need to plan ahead. Because if you're dealing with a doctor who knows nothing about ADHD, which a lot of us, you know, at times are, you need to have your information, you know, in front of you. And then I can't remember what the second thing was, because I can't remember where I was going with it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... You go and meet with a doctor, and does the doctor suggest medication? Well, I was scared, <laughs> honestly. First of all, I was really scared they weren't going to think I had ADHD or that, you know, it was just me. I don't even know. It's just I was worried that they were going to mark me off as some type of anxiety or yep. Bipolar. Which is what they do for women. Yeah, bipolar disorder too. I had a. Oh. Yes, I ha- actually spoke to after I went to the doctor. I wanted to speak to a, a psychiatrist, and he talked to me over the phone. And he said, he was like, "Are you sure this isn't bipolar?" And I'm like, "Uh, I'm a hundred percent sure this isn't bipolar." You know? Do you know how many women? get diagnosed, probably men too, but you know, I study women who get diagnosed with bipolar disorder, end up on all this medication, end up hospitalized. We have several of them in our group, by the way, ADHD for smart ass women. And then lo and behold, you know, and they spiral down because of all this awful medication they're given. And then lo and behold, later they discover it's ADHD. It is much more common than you would expect. It's scary. 
Yeah, definitely. And that like, I was like, I did not want to go to that guy after he said, started suggesting that. I was like, nah, think I know. <laughs> and that's not what it is. Right. And, and so that, again, is why it's so important to do the research. Because I am absolutely convinced that not all doctors know. In fact, they get so little training on ADHD. All they know how to do is write a script for Adderall or um, Ritalin. So this is why, and I just you know, got off all this research for this next podcast, this is why it is so important that you do your research just like you did. And the second thing that I've noticed is when we know, we know. And so, you know, in the group, I, I will hear a lot of, you know, not a lot, but there's often a woman who will say that she went to the doctor and they said, no, it's anxiety or depression or it's not ADHD at all. I am convinced that we know. And when we know, we have to fight for what we know. And the way to do that is through research and, you know, really learning about ADHD. Right. And see, the crazy thing is, is that this psychiatrist actually specialized in ADHD. And that blew my mind. I was like, really? <laughs> is this really happening right now? Yeah. So that's scary. Okay. So, so you ended up going to, so did you go to a psychologist first and then you, you went to a psychiatrist for medication or how did you do this? I actually went to my doctor, which is, she's actually a nurse practitioner. Wow. Some of them are the best. I'm oh, telling yeah. you. I love them. Oh yeah. She they have more time awesome. and yeah. Yeah. So I spoke to her and they, they basically just gave me like a little survey, I guess it was. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. filled it out and she was like, talk to me. And I told her everything and I was like, I'm struggling with this and that and this and I can't get my life together and I don't know what the deal is and I need help. And then she was like, well, let me put you on this and we'll go from here and tell me if your symptoms get any better. So was this a general practitioner? Yes. You know, and more than half of, um, more than half of ADHD diagnoses are made by general practitioners, which was really interesting to me. And some of them, I mean, obviously this woman really knew, right? She knew what ADHD looks like. Yeah, she definitely did. Um, and she was definitely very attentive to me and paid attention to what I was saying. And I could just feel that she was really like picking my brain. And that was exactly what I needed her to do. So it was awesome. That's wonderful. So what did she suggest? Did she suggest medication? Um, did she suggest anything else besides medication? Or was it primarily, okay, this is what we're going to do first? She didn't suggest anything other than medication. She first put me on something called Focalin, and I had never heard of it before. Mm-hmm. But it didn't end up working for me. Yeah, At she, all? No, it didn't. It just, I don't even know why. It was like, it was like nothing. I, it was still struggle, struggle, struggle. And I told her, I was like, this is not working. I don't feel it working at all. I don't know what to do. And she was like, well, 
she was going to bump it up a little, bump up the milligrams. And Mm -hmm. then she suddenly changed her mind and switched me over to Adderall. Okay. So one of the things that you wrote to me, you said, I know medication isn't for everyone, but it was such a relief because all of the tabs in my brain were closed out and I could actually think and hear myself without all of the noise. And I'm assuming that that was once you took the Adderall. Yes, definitely. It was, it was like a remote just clicked my brain and cut the TV off in there and was like, okay, here you are by yourself now. If you want to have a single thought, you can do that. You know, it was like my <laughs> brain was just chill. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so nice. You know, like it just, so much clarity. So this literally happened, Josie, for you the first time you took Adderall, the first pill, it was literally like you just flipped a switch? It was. It didn't was. take a while. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So what has changed for you since you started taking ADHD medication? Much clarity has come into my life. I'm able to sit down and do my finances now, which is awesome because before I would get distracted and be like, oh, this is stressful, you know, and think about something else. Also, a lot of my life decisions have been, I've stuck to them since being medicated. I just feel like I now have a better grasp on things and what I want to do and how I truly feel. And I, I just don't feel like I'm playing myself anymore in a sense that I just feel like I'm being more true to myself because I have clarity. All those crazy thoughts, they're just not there anymore. So it's like, I mean, I still have them. It doesn't, it's not a fix all, but it helps so much. And just the clarity in general, it really makes, helps me narrow down what I really want in life and how I need to get there. I have created a five-year plan. I have kind of- (laughs) That is so not ADHD. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, sticking to it's going to be the thing, but you know, I've rough drafted a few things and I made plans and I just feel a lot more confident in life and I feel like I can, you know, just carry out daily tasks like a normal person. Have you tried any kind of, uh, I guess what you would call school since then to see if There's a big difference there as well. I have not because my grandfather is actually an entrepreneur and Uh I actually, you know, I've read multiple places that people with ADHD are like mega entrepreneurs and that's just 600% higher chance that if you have ADHD, you're an entrepreneur. Yes. And um, I've decided that with everything I was doing in school, it wasn't what I wanted and it wasn't going to get me where I wanted and it wasn't going to give me the retirement that I so dream of. So I decided I wanted, I want to invest in real estate property, rental properties and create my retirement in that way. And I think that that's, it just it lights a fire inside of me that makes me know that that's going to be something I'm going to be really proud of myself for. So I, I definitely 
have gotten so much more clarity on what I want to do in life. That's awesome. The other thing that you told me or you wrote to me is you said, I also go to the gym before anything I do and it keeps me focused and gives me a level balance throughout the day. Absolutely. I love going to the gym. Um, <laughs> it's like my new hobby and it's awesome. But it's, it's so, so, so beneficial for me because I can, I can, I was going to the gym at night and then I read somewhere that I needed to go in the morning before I did anything. And I was like, well, I don't know if it's going to make a big difference, but we'll try it. And I tried it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. So that really helped. Uh, and I mostly lift weights. I do like Mm, squats and deadlifts and stuff like that. And I really enjoy that. But also another thing is nutrition. I'm learning a lot about nutrition and I'm learning that medication in particular can't work in a vacuum. Yeah. So you have to have the nutrients for it to work properly. And I've been counting macros and stuff like that. And just literally my body function and my mental function is so much better than it was before because before it was junk food and mm -hmm. sitting at my security job. So it definitely you know, it, makes a huge difference. It just sounds like, um, you are on the path to living to your potential versus before you were just kind of existing. I definitely was. And that is, it, it still just blows my mind, the difference that my life, it's been so different and so much better. The quality has been amazing, like my quality of life, because I'm doing little things that, you know, it's, it's not even big things. It's just little things that I've been tweaking around in my life. And it just makes all the difference just because I know, okay, I'm ADHD. You need to hang your wallet and keys and badge everything that I have to have like wallet, keys, my badge for work, obviously my driver's license, and I have a pen. I keep it all in all together. So, and hanging it up by the door every day. Like it's little things like that that really make a huge, huge difference because. I'm not stressing out because I just got to work and I don't have my badge and I can't get, get in and I'm going to be late. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not even like that anymore. It's just peaceful. It sounds peaceful. I think what you've done is you're, you're building your own structures, you know, that work for your brain. Definitely. And it's, it's truly amazing. Like I said, I'm still blown away by just how different it is. Well, Josie, you're so inspiring. I want to know what advice would you give to a young woman who's like you, who's really, you know, struggles and thinks she might have ADHD? Because I doubt someone's listening to this podcast if they don't think they might, you know, might not have ADHD. Right. My advice would be to really stop beating yourself up and step back and take the time for yourself that you know you need. And really examine and pick apart the things that, you know, the way your brain works and, and really 
start to know yourself and learn yourself and learn your ADHD and give yourself that time. But also, if definitely if you're very, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh man, we're having a moment. As far as as the empathy goes, if you are very empathetic, that's the right word, right? I'm not sure what you're saying. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to, I'm trying to say if you're really sensitive and you know that and you've learned that ADHD can cause women to be more sensitive mm-hmm. emotionally, then look at your social media. And really, if something on your social media makes you feel negative, don't think twice, delete it. And don't think about it again, because I found myself getting down on myself as well, as far as that goes, you know, and now I just feel more confident and stuff. And so I just think that you don't need that kind of negativity, especially not when you're trying to focus on learning your brain and learning your ADHD. I think that is incredible advice. I mean, it's pretty simple, Josie, right? I mean, if you feel good when you're doing it, you should do more of it. And if it makes you not feel good, don't do it. Right. Do less of it. I I think you're just, you're adorable and you're so inspiring. So Josie, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us here today. I am certain that there's going to be a young woman out there who's really struggling that you will inspire and give hope to. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Now, if one of our listeners wants to reach out to you, Is that okay? Absolutely. And where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram. And my username is underscore J-O-O-C as in cat. E-E-B as in boy. E-E. Okay. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get that from you and then we'll have that in the show notes. So they can go to the show notes if you know, they're listening to this and they don't want to, or they can't write it down right now. Okay. Wonderful. Okay. So that's what we have for you today. As always, you are listening to ADHD for Smart Ass Women. If you like this episode with our friend, Josie, okay, Josie Bowman. Yes. (laughs) All right. ADHD brain. Of course, when you tell me don't do it this way, that's the, you know, the other way is what sticks in my brain. Yeah. (laughs) Please let us know by leaving a review. My goal is to change the conversation around ADHD and to help as many women as I possibly can learn how their ADHD brain works and discover their amazing strengths. And you know what? Your reviews really help in that regard. Finally, if you have a comment, a guest you'd like me to interview, or a topic idea for this podcast, you can go to my website at tracyoutsuka.com and leave me an audio message or reach out to me at tracy at tracyotsuka.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Otsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. If you liked what you heard, we sure would appreciate a review. And not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, well, that's also the name of our free Facebook group. Go look it up. We're a totally smartass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. We'd love to have you join us. You can also find all my details over at tracyoutsuka.com. 
don't forget, I spy a happier life for us. And I'll see you again next week.